0: Um, the message I want to preach to you tonight <clears throat> i first first delivered spontaneously um, about nine years ago, and um, it came right out of my spirit when um, I was still in the midst of some personal difficulties and uh, uh, it was a time that i was I was coming out of a of, of um, a very deep depression, that so, uh, for over three and a half years i uh, I suffered a very deep clinical depression, um, and uh, this this emerged in my spirit as I was coming out of that out of that depression now, during that depression i didn 't take any medication. Um, that is not to say that those of you have struggled in these areas because if you 've never struggled with depression. Then be grateful. it's something you've got to be thankful for. Uh, if you've ever suffered from it, it's like the darkest cloud that sits over you, that dulls your mind, your feelings, it, it, it plays havoc with your emotions. And uh, there seems to be no way out. And uh, for those of you who suffer with that, I, you know I have compassion towards you, and uh, by no means am I saying because I didn't take any medication, happy pills. Is as I call them, uh, that you should in any way feel guilty or or um, uh, or less if you if you 're on medication for um, for depression because i I would not advise you to to resist that unless you were doing something very specific like like I was with me, and um, the reason i didn 't take any medication was because um, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to come to a conclusion that was not manufactured by some additional solution that was actually only relieving the symptoms of my issue and not resolving the problems. Uh, and so I made that personal choice for, for those reasons. Um, And uh, it was in that process that I became acutely aware of several things. Uh, The first thing I became aware of was the goodness of God, whether you deserve it or not, because I didn't feel very deserving at that point, because I'm thinking, how can I be the leader of a church? How can I be overseeing these people, but so desperately struggling with depression? Uh, But I experienced the goodness of God. So I didn't miss a single week, I didn't miss a single weekend, I didn't miss a single message that I needed to preach. There were many times when I would reach Saturday and just not only not have anything to say but not feeling like saying anything. And then into my spirit would come light, wonderful light, revelation, hear God, I would finish preaching go and sit back down there, and the depression would descend like a cloud immediately. Now you might say, "Well, well, you know, if God is God, why would that happen?" Because that wasn't God's fault. I was on a journey that I'm going to talk about that I needed to understand what was happening, so that rather than medicating my problems, I was resolving my problems with the life that comes from somebody who rose from the dead. And so God was very faithful in that um, I never missed a week, I never missed a message, and uh, I also learned in that time that God loves me not because of anything that I do, not because of what I do, not because I preach, not because I have knowledge about the Bible, because for for Over a year and a half, I didn't read the Bible except when I needed to read it to find the text that I was going to preach about. Now, for some of you, if you've never been in a place of depression, you'll say, well, that's terrible. You should have done that straight away. But there's something going on inside of you that detaches and you can begin to want to read something and you get three words into it and it just all stops. Just about the only thing that I prayed for for over two years was Jesus help me. And it simplified my, my praying, and do you know what I learned? That God does not respond to clever words or very academic, broken down explanations of where we are and what we think we need, but he responds to the heart that needs him. Call upon me in the day of trouble, he says, and I will answer you, and that, that was my experience that, that, that um, Jesus was there. So I began to encounter God as the God to whom I had nothing to bring but who still loved me anyway. And uh, actually I found he loved me more, now I know he didn't, but to me it felt like he loved me more because I realized how much in my subconscious, my understanding of the love of God was connected to what I did, and how well I did it, and who I was. And so in those difficult times, uh, this, this message formed in my spirit as I was, as I was coming out of that. And uh, uh, what I became acutely aware of of is something that I call the School of Obedience. And I had no intention, like last week, of bringing this message, but my heart just kind of came towards it after some things that have happened this week. So I want to read you something about what I call the School of Obedience. The School of Obedience is unique in that it only has one subject on the curriculum – Every believer serious about being a follower of Christ must enter this school. It is not a nice place. It has no comforts within its walls. Comfort can only be found in the knowledge that graduation day will come and then only if you stay the course. Much of the study is done alone. Distractions are not removed but rather seem multiplied and the wounds of the lifetime seem to be endlessly and deliberately poked by the finger of injustice, probed by insensitive hands who insist on touching the very things you wish to be left untouched. There are times when one suddenly becomes aware of a tender embrace, in the sensitive hands of a compassionate Christ, bathing your wounds and encouraging you on to finish the course, but most of it is spent in what appears to be a lonely, uphill struggle. One does not graduate by passing a test, but by adopting a lifestyle, by embracing a process, by allowing every pain to produce purpose, and drive you on to that special place only known by those who have graduated the school of obedience, who truly know what it means to say, not what I want, but what you will be done. And into your hands, I commit my spirit. Those are the ones who join join the roll call of the heroes of Hebrews 11, of whom it says, who through faith. Key scripture that I wrestled with when I was going through this and coming out of it and trying to understand and explain it is, is in the book of Romans in chapter 8 through, sorry, chapter 5, verse 8 through 10. And it says these words, although he was a son, this is talking about Jesus, he learned obedience from what he suffered and once made perfect or complete, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. So I want to talk about this scripture first of all in the context of its application to Christ. There is a staggering revelation in here. Because it says, although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. Here's the staggering revelation that hit me. Although he was completely a son, he was not complete as a son. Because he hadn't learned something. So it's possible to be completely a son or daughter of God, but not complete as a son, or as a daughter. This process is not about making you a son or daughter of God. This is about about completing you as a son or daughter of God. Although he was completely a son, he was not complete as a son. This verse makes clear that in order for him to become the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him, there was something he needed to learn. I find that fascinating, that there was something that Jesus, as a son, needed to learn. And the vehicle through which that would be learned was suffering. It it appears that this was the key ingredient of the process, which had the power to bring him to perfection or completeness. Now, if you were going to choose a key ingredient in the process of life to bring you to completeness, I don't think you would choose suffering or put it anywhere near the top of the list. But there is an essential nature to suffering that unless you understand it and embrace it, you may be completely a son, but you will never be complete as a son. So it appears this was the key ingredient with the power to bring him to perfection and completeness. Hebrews 2 verse 10 says this. In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering or complete through Suffering, which means it was not complete and it was not, in God's terms, perfect, but something was necessary to make that process happen. Now, what's interesting is that word that is is translated suffering in the Bible is the root words in in Greek from which we get the word passion, uh, which is why... Holy Week is often called Passion Week which is why people talk about the passion of the Christ because that word passion um, is rooted in the word suffering and the truth is true passion is a suffering true passion grips you and will not let you go it makes you suffer because you have to submit yourself to the passion that is burning inside of you One of the reasons that we have often not submitted to what is necessary is because we have not grabbed the passion and we've not grabbed the passion because we don't know how to deal with suffering and we don't know how to interpret that. Now, I know for a fact once we use the word suffering, our minds go to things like dying children, chemical weapons in Syria, you know, cancers, but that's not actually what this means in its context as suffering or passion. See, suffering can mean many things to many people at many different times. You can suffer just because a loved one said something as they walked out of the house and for the rest of the day you are suffering. Now you say, but that's nothing compared to what happened to these kids in Syria To you it is. To you, your heart got poisoned. To you, your emotions are going like crazy. To you, your heart's beating like mad. To you, you don't know whether that relationship will be fulfilled or or fixed. And so many other things to us are suffering. The disappointments, the disillusionments, the depressions, the conflicts, the concerns, the offences, the judgments, things that we all find in our lives create suffering inside of us in our world. It doesn't mean to help some of you accepting the things that Christ took off you at the cross. So it doesn't mean suffering through sin. It doesn't mean suffering through physical pain or physical disease. Now, we may do, but that's not what this suffering is about because I have a rule of thumb I have often taught that says God will will never put on you in the flesh what he took off you at the cross. So as he dealt with sickness at the cross... Has he dealt with many things at the cross? If we suffer those things, it was not God who put them upon us. That's because we're human flesh in a physical body that decays and we live in these worlds. So I don't want you to take things, anything that Jesus dealt with at the cross, he will not put on you. That's not the suffering we're talking about. We're talking about the suffering that comes as we face the issues of life. Now it says that he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. So the need to learn indicates a lack. Therefore, Jesus had a lack. Lack indicates incompleteness or imperfection. Therefore, Jesus was incomplete and imperfect. Something lacking in the life of Jesus the man in the context of his development. There was something lacking in the life of Jesus the man in the context of his development, despite the fact that he was a son, that was critical to him moving forward as a person. There are some critical points in our life where we will make decisions and we will release emotions and uh, some of those will be public, some of those will be private and um, uh, you know, (laughs) there's an interesting verse that, that struck me many years ago way back, going back now to 2001 that says, and the children of Israel grumbled in their tents which it fascinated me because it's like if we only grumble in our tents, that's not grumbling and I realised at that point in my own life that whatever I was, whatever I thought, whatever I did, there was none of this, I did this in, in private in the sense of it doesn't count because it happened in private. Because Jesus one day said to, to, to the people around him and the Pharisees and the, the crowd, he said, he said, if you look at a woman in lust, you've already committed adultery because you've done it in your heart. So so sometimes we have this excuse thing that says, I didn't say it openly, I didn't do it publicly, therefore it didn't happen. But you see, when God looks on the heart, all of those things are part of our struggle in our journey. Now, there are often reasons why those things occur. But the reason we make wrong choices in those areas because we don't know how to graduate the school of obedience, we don't know how to wrestle with what it is that we are suffering through And so what we often do is we try and escape the place of suffering. I don't like this anymore, therefore I am going to... That's the worst move in the world. Because guess what? I've been around long enough to know that it's not long before what you left that place for, you will encounter where you have gone because the problem never was in the place. Very few problems are locational. All problems are spiritual. And when we deal with them inside, wherever we go, it's resolved. I love what my friend, Ted Hansen preaches about David's psalm when he says, if I go into the heavens, Lord behold, you are there. If I go into the deepest pit of the grave, behold, you are there. I love what Ted says, he said, so so does God live in hell? Does God live in the pit of the grave? And Ted's answer was, wherever you are is where God is. When God is in you, if you're in the heavens, he's in the heavens. If you go to the deepest pit, he's there with you because God is in you. So the issues of our life are never resolved by external decisions. They're only ever resolved by the internal condition of our heart, which is what this is about. So even Jesus, something he needed to learn, something that made him incomplete, and whatever it was that he needed to learn, it says would make him perfect. Now, of course, we have a problem with the word perfect because we think that's morally perfect, and Jesus was morally perfect, but that's not the kind of perfect it means. What it means is complete, whole, or complete as a son. So he's completely a son, but this would make him complete as a son. So if he needed to learn obedience, did that mean he had been disobedient? Or that he had a desire to be so? Because he had to learn obedience. Or does the answer to that question lie in how we interpret the word obedience? Was the writer meaning obedience to a command or instruction? that Jesus had to learn obedience by obeying a command or an instruction because I would say you don't have to read very far into the Gospels to realize that Jesus obeyed every command and every instruction that he received from his Father. But we're told he still has to learn obedience even though he's obeying every instruction and every command. Therefore that obedience is not just complying with commands or instruction. Or was the writer meaning obedience to a process? The willingness to embrace a process as the means of producing a conclusion which can be arrived at in no other way. I had to embrace the suffering of my depression for the simple reason that it was producing a conclusion which I probably could not have arrived at any other way. Something had to shake my belief system. Something had to shake what I believed about God. Something had to shake my own hypocrisy, which was not by determination, but subconsciously. For example, I realised, having preached forgiveness for year after year after year, being able to give you a theological uh, breakdown of what forgiveness was, how forgiveness worked, to realize that when something happened to me that so much inside of me didn't want to forgive, I didn't know how to forgive. And if anybody ever just flippantly tells you forgiveness is a choice, uh, if you're in a country where it's not illegal, slap them. If you're in a country where that's illegal, Uh, Just beg to differ because yes, in one way forgiveness is a choice but that choice can just be obeying an instruction but that instruction doesn't change your heart. That's why Jesus said, if you do not forgive your brother from your heart your Father in heaven will not forgive you. Now that's a scary scripture and I'm not sure it means what we think it means because if it did mean that then the Father in heaven would not be forgiving any of you for a start off. And he wouldn't be forgiving me because very often we don't forgive our brother from the heart. We do bear something against our brother. And I had to be in a position where my life would be opened up because I learned something about forgiveness. And it was through the suffering... And embracing that, being obedient to the process that was happening in me and letting it happen and embracing it that brought me to an understanding of how I could forgive. The other area that I learned very much about that I could do the same, I could talk till the cows come home about faithfulness. But I realised you know nothing about faithfulness until something happens that every fibre of your being wants to walk away from. That every fiber of your being says this is unfair, I don't like this, I don't want this to be happening to me, I could change it simply by walking away. Until you've been in that position, you know very little about faithfulness because it has to be from the heart. So it was not until I became obedient to the suffering that was happening in me that I learned the elements that were necessary to bring wholeness and healing to me and my situation and my world but it came because I embraced the process of suffering. I became obedient to the process. Here's my challenge to you tonight. Are you being obedient to the process that's going on in your life? The process that's screaming out to you, do this, do that, you ought to do this, you don't like that, you don't like the other, it would be better if this, and that's screaming out to you, can you be obedient to that process to realise that you are completely a son but you may not be complete as a son? And maybe all those pressures and all those things that are trying to push you to make decisions are actually a God thing because you are in the school of obedience. And I want you to graduate because graduating changes your life. The elements of learning in the school of obedience become like the modules in a course of education. I, I wanted my situation, you know, I wanted a few shandais. Thank you, God. Jesus, you're with me. It's all good. And uh, it was all good in the sense that God is good and all the power was there. But what was necessary to change me and what was necessary to change my situation physically, emotionally, psychologically and personally could not happen like that. It had to be a change. It had to be a radical difference that was going on. Let, let me tell you some of those sudden things, how long the last, about as long as it took them to come. Um, I, I've been to more altar services, Alt, by altar services, I don't mean, you know, at the altar and here's the bread and the wine, I mean calling people around the front and going to the front and being in things where at the front and, I began to wonder because of the lessons of my own life having been at the front and sobbed and cried and got a real, you know, an upper um, a real sense how much difference would there be 10 hours after that? How much difference 24 hours after that? How much difference a week after that? One of the things I learned in in, in days in being in some of those big meetings is that night after night would be the same people who came to the front. Which started to bother me immensely. Because I I now believe that, I think it's important, I think sometimes we have to come and, and, and make a step that says, I am making a choice, I publicly am making this step. But what is far more important is our obedience to the process, the suffering that then comes in our life that we're actually serious about change, serious about our own lives changing, serious about being forgiven and being forgiving, being uh, being faithful and expressing faithfulness because we actually embraced that process. But it's so easy to walk away. Even Jesus wanted to walk away. So you're in good company. He's in a place called the Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, he's struggling. We know that he's struggling because the Bible says he was sweating drops of blood. Apparently, physiologically, to sweat drops of blood, you have to be at the lowest possible state um, in your physical being. You are so stressed that it begins to come out through your blood vessels. So so Jesus was stressed, very stressed, and very distressed. And uh, he didn't say, being the holy person that I am, and just enjoying your presence, Father, and having a wonderful praise and worship session, where I'm just, let's change the world. He says, Dad, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. If there's any way that I can get to where I need to go without having to be obedient to the place you've brought me to and the suffering that that causes. If there's another way, I'd much rather do that. But nevertheless, not what I want, but what you will be done. And sometimes submitting to faith in that greater presence in the midst of our suffering, of which we know is not going to end instantly and might cause us more pain, which it did with Jesus because he's about to go to the cross, the faith to know that beyond that there will be a resurrection, but there can be no resurrection without a crucifixion. There can be no resurrection without a death. If you're struggling with something, you will never find life in it until you die within it. He needed, if he needed to learn obedience, that didn't mean that he was disobedient or desired to be so. It meant that he needed obedience to the process that he was in. And like the elements, the modules of a course, that's how this thing works in our life. But there is an end. Now there's a reason for all this. Okay? The reason is not masochism or self-harm the reason is found in Hebrews chapter five and verse nine. It says, and uh, from our scripture, the middle verse: "And once made perfect, or once made complete, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him." Now, that all who obey him, the literal Greek is for those who will listen for those who will attend to. The actual Greek word is wonderful because it's like when it says for those who obey him, the Greek picture is somebody knocks on your door and you come from upstairs to downstairs to listen for who it is. So it's not obeying as I have been instructed and commanded and I will do this. It's a much more sensitive thing that says there's a knock on my door and I'm prepared to go and listen for who it is. Once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. See, the reason for this is that your call is to become a source. You're supposed to now become a source of eternal salvation of those who are listening. That's the point in this. That's the point for your life. That's the point for walking through your struggle. That's the point for sticking with it and staying it out. Here's a strong statement. Obedience is not a valid expression of commitment while ever suffering is absent. Let me say that again. This is very important. Obedience is not a valid expression of commitment while ever suffering is absent which means while ever you do what you're asked to do and you're happy to do it because that's what you want to do that's not a valid expression of obedience you do that anyway but when it's something you don't want to do when it's something that stretches you when it's something you would find difficult when it's something that you have to endure that's the only time that obedience finds its valid expression And that's the obedience that is being talked about in the book of Hebrews. The obedience that is an expression of commitment when suffering is present. So let's bring this to a close. The sufferings are the challenges posed to me by the issues of life. That's what the sufferings are. The level of my learning is measured by the nature and intensity of my response to those issues. True obedience is the embracing of the process by which God in life is trying to complete you as a son so you become a source of the God kind of eternal salvation rather than always just a receiver. God wants you to become a source of this salvation, not just the receiver of it. And when you graduate the school of obedience, something wonderful happens. It does not come in the form of a certificate, but it comes in the form of life, resurrection life. In Philippians chapter three, verse 10 through 12, Paul begins to talk about, about uh, um, how he wants, he wants to live in the power of God. He wants to live in the power of the resurrection. But he says, in order to do that, he has to share in the sufferings of Christ in order to live in that. But he says that the outcome of it is resurrection life. And the outcome of all this is resurrection life. And uh, I know from experience you may bear the scars, but you'll, still, but you'll see the glory, which is wonderful. And it's at that point that you've become a graduate of the School of Obedience. I can't claim to have got a high grade in every subject. But some things I have. And the Apostle Paul one day said, follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. In terms of interaction with other people, don't imitate me. I. Find somebody who through the school of obedience has touched that place and has come through, don't imitate me. But you can imitate me in forgiveness and you can imitate me in faithfulness and you can imitate me in the knowledge of God who loves you in spite of and not because of And if I've learned anything from the school of obedience, it's those things, and I say, will you imitate me? The problem is, imitating me means there's many things you can't do. There's many decisions you can't make. There's many choices you can't carry through because forgiveness and faithfulness and the goodness of God on you will not allow you to do it. But it's in that place and that place only that we find resurrection life, the God kind of life, what the Bible calls zoe, which only describes the kind of life that comes from God. I'm glad I'm not depressed anymore. I can get sad. I'm, I'm on the personality scale. If you take it from uh, if you take it from um, uh, from kids cartoons, I am not Tigger, and uh, who's the bear? I'm not Pooh Bear. Guess, guess, guess who I am, personality-wise. <laughs> I'm not Piglet. I'm Eos, that, that's, that's me. Oh, dear, oh, my. I think it's going to rain. But can you understand that that also becomes part of my obedience to the suffering that that brings because that brings certain things which for me create difficulty that I still have to deal with and wrestle with and be obedient to the process so that God out of that what is in me a natural melancholy can bring some delight and some joy and some vision. Um... I can't say enter the School of Obedience because you're in it whether you like it or not. What I have to say is make sure you graduate it. Otherwise, like some students, you will be a perpetual student. You will never leave that place of learning. It will follow you wherever you go and you will wrestle with those things forever and a day until you graduate. Embrace who you are, where you are, what's happening with you and say, Lord, I'm obedient to this process because in this process, I believe that you are at work and I believe that in this process, there is life for me and there is deliverance but this process is actually not letting me become a son. It's not making me a son, right? What was the words? Yeah, yeah. Though I am already a son so so it's, 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 um, it, it's, it's already a son, but becoming. Completing. Completing, that's it. Being completely a son, but being completed as a son. Being completed as a daughter. My prayer for you in all of this is you'll settle, you relax, understand God is with you, embrace the process, and you will come out of it in a glorious place exalted by the gift of God, the grace of God, the goodness of God, and you will be able to be a source of life for all who come to you. Father, thank you for your kindness, your goodness. Uh, I'd love to say thank you for the process you have us in, but that would be going a bit far. Thank you that you're with us in the process. Thank you that, that we are in here today completely sons But help us all to be complete as sons, complete as daughters, so that we graduate to be the source of life for all who are seeking you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.